Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. To Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2, and you know, I pray that today will help you. Uh, I'm always trying to help you and myself think, how does God work? How do I work with God? And uh, so this morning will require you to think a bit. This is not a uh, just a do one, two and three kind of a deal. This is about helping you to think about how, how do I work with God in this world in which I live? Jesus came and showed us that it's possible to live a great life with God on the earth. We pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer, not thy will be done in heaven and hurry up and take me there. We pray, Lord, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, if God asks you to pray that, it's got to be because it's possible for you and I to live a different life. And I don't know about anybody else here, but after all my years of trying my best to follow Christ, I'm still learning every day, still discovering things every day. And I want to help you today. I pray that it'll help you live a life with less worry and less stress and less pressure. By the way, big shout out to Ben Stafford. I saw him at a wedding this week and he said to me, hey, I'm online with you guys every week doing my work. He works on a Sunday morning and as he goes about, he's there online. So I told him I'd give him a big shout out. That's for you, Ben, right there. Genesis 2 verse 2, it says, And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He'd done, and He rested on the seventh day, from all the work which he'd done. Then God blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it, set it apart because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. I asked someone this week, or actually they asked me, they said, why did God rest? I said, come Sunday and you'll find out. I believe that these simple two verses contain a powerful truth that can help you and I live a life with less stress and less worry and less pressure. I don't believe God intends for all of us to struggle and strive our way until we gasp our last breath and stumble our way into heaven. I believe that we are meant to live strong. I believe that we are meant to live with the presence of God. I believe that we are meant to echo the words of Jesus who said, I have meat or food to eat that other people don't know about. In other words, I'm meant to have another source of supply apart from just the worldly way of going about stuff. So these verses here tell me twice that God did His work and then He rested. Well, God doesn't rest because He's tired. God doesn't rest because all that work of creation has exhausted Him. Psalm 121 verse 3 and 4 says He won't allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He doesn't sleep. He who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. So if God rests, it's not because He's worn out. It's not because He goes, that's all I've got. I've had it now. I need to stop for a while. I want you to notice, those of you who know the story, and you will have to think with me a bit today, maybe make some notes or go back to this podcast. It'll stay on YouTube. Go to our website, the, the uh, 
the podcast is up there for you, audio only, so you can just get that and listen to it in your car, or wherever you are. But those of you that know the story will know that God makes the world in these days and all the way through the first day, the second day, the third, the fourth, the fifth, not on any of those days does it say God rested. He doesn't rest on day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, but He rests after day six. Why? Because every other day He creates something that's animal or vegetable or in the skies, the heavens. But on the sixth day, God makes something that is different from every other part of His creation. Genesis 1 verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all everything that creeps upon the earth. God said, let us make man. He's made the animals. He said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. I said a couple of weeks ago, we've got a great dog called Lola. Well, Lola's a beautiful dog. I walked Lola in the bush this morning in the forest, the woods, whatever you call it, where you come from. I walked her there, but I had no fellowship with Lola. I just had companionship. Well, all the animals, as much as you may love your cat, your bird, your dog, your guinea pig, your rabbit, your pet pig, whatever you have, as much as you love it, you can't have fellowship, you get companionship. Someone will come and argue with me later, so you don't understand my dog knows what I think. And I go, no, it doesn't, because if it did, it'd never sleep on the bed. Because it would know that secretly you, someone was telling me just this week about their dog that sleeps on their bed, but won't sleep at the foot of their bed, climbs up and sleeps on the pillow beside them, in between them. Obviously that dog doesn't know what they think. But let's not get into a debate about animals. Let's just accept that God makes mankind in His image and says, I want you to have dominion. God's got a vision for these people. Verse 28, God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Let me ask you a question. What kind of people did God want to fill the earth? Not any other kind of people, but the people He'd made. He wanted that kind of people. He wanted the kind of people that fellowship with Him to fill the earth. God wanted the kind of people that were open to Him, listening to Him, wanted to walk with Him. He wanted them to fill the earth. That's what the Gospel is, is God still saying, I'm going to make Genesis 1.28 come to pass. I'm going to fill the earth as surely as I live, says the Lord. My glory is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. That's why all over the planet right now, the gospel is making inroads and having great power, regardless of persecution, regardless of obstacles. The gospel is sweeping across the earth. Make no mistake about it. And the darker things get in any place, the brighter the light becomes that shines from Christ. I believe with all of my heart because 
Jesus told a parable and he said, my house will be filled and he's got a big house. So I believe that he's going to fill his house. I don't believe there's going to be 10 people in heaven that struggle their way in. I believe in heaven will have more people in it. I believe heaven's going to be filled. It'll take you an eternity to get to know those that are there. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful. That's what He says to every Christian. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Take authority over those things that are against the will of God. And God creates a being that He can have fellowship with that is unique because this being has a free will, just like God's. I find that to be the most staggering thing on the planet. I'm amazed how many people, as I listen to podcasts or read books of people that continually talk about mankind's progress, but have no answer for evil, have no answer for understanding what can get inside of a human heart and deform it and distort the face and the visage of God in their life. Well, the reason that is there like that because God's given us free will. Don't blame God for the way the world is. He's doing His best to change it. But look at us and at our free will. The wars you see were not started by the Holy Spirit. They weren't started by the angels of God. They were started by people. People with a free will. That's not being negative or you know, horrible about it. It's just stating the fact. Now all of a sudden in the earth, there's another being that just doesn't operate out of instinct, but operates from choice. They get a choice. Now stay with me here, because wherever there's free will, there's choice. And watch this, wherever there is free will, there has to be trust. I was at a wedding on Thursday night and they stand there and they make their vows. I call upon these persons here present to witness that I, Danny Todd, do take you, Kathy, to be my lawful wedded wife, to have and to hold from this day forward for better, for worse, for richer, poorer, sick and sore and health to love and to cherish until death do us part. And thereto I give you my promises, one who loves Jesus Christ and honours the Word of God. And they make a choice about how they're going to live. Because even though they make that choice, she trusts Him. They put a ring on their fingers, symbolising their vows, and they sail off into the inestimable beauty of marriage. Knowing that from here on out, it's a fairy tale romance and that nothing will ever go wrong and that a harsh word will never be spoken that there'll never be a difficulty or a challenge upon which they don't have complete agreement. They'll never have to debate what's the right thing to go. They'll perfectly agree every moment. Isn't that right, Buckley? (laughs) Amen. You know that's not true. Wherever there's choice, there's got to be trust. You can't base a marriage on suspicion. You can only base it on trust. And a lot of our pressures, our worries and our stresses come from wanting others to change. We worry about what they're going to do. and We try to control those around about us. Now, stay with me here. I'm going to take you somewhere, all right? We'll get there and it'll make sense at the end. Because some of you are already going, oh, he's hurting my brain. <laughs> this is easy. 
God could have put uncrossable boundaries in place to limit mankind's choices. Wouldn't have been hard. No tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Just don't put it in the garden. Hello? Problem solved. Or do what you did later first. Put an angel with a flaming sword around the tree. And when Eve gets tempted by the serpent, she goes, I'd like to, but there's a dirty big angel with a big flaming sword. I'm not going near it. But God doesn't do that. Because that would have just simply made man another animal under his control. If God doesn't trust you, He can't fellowship with you. If God doesn't give me the choice to say no, then my relationship is meaningless. I become a possession. I own my dog. Some of you are going to not like me saying it like that, but it's true. I hold power of life and death over that beautiful animal. Obviously, I choose life. Just getting it right here. I feel people going. But you know, if God doesn't give you the power of choice, you just become another animal with instinct. So now I come to this point, why does God rest? Why does He rest on the sixth day when He doesn't rest any other day? It's because I believe for the very first time, God creates a being that He has to trust. So we talk about trusting God. and We often fail to recognise that God has trusted us. He said, I've created you. It's all yours. Don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but I'm going to make it so you can if you choose to. Say, so Jeff, Help me here. Where do I, what are you trying to get me to, to understand here? Well, give me, let me give you a couple of things. My ability to rest is in direct proportion to my ability to trust. If I can't trust, I won't have rest. We could go in about 10 different directions with this one here for you all. But if there's no trust, then there's no rest. Here's the second thing. My ability to rest is in direct proportion to my awareness and acceptance of what I cannot control. I'm, not gonna, I'm try, trying to get psychology on you. I'm just trying to make some statements that come out of this passage. My ability to rest is in direct proportion to my awareness and acceptance of what I cannot control. Can I say to you like this, God says to man, you can go and eat of anything. Don't eat that one, but I'm not going to stop you. I'm not controlling you. I'm giving you free will. And so God rests because He accepts that mankind that He's made can make a choice that God doesn't like. Are you with me? I'm not preaching fatalism here. Ah, oh, well, you know, all these people at work, all my employees or staff or the people I lead or in my family. Ah, oh, well, I just float along. That's not what I'm saying, but God is aware and accepts that this man and woman can make choices He doesn't want them to make. Here's number three. My ability to rest, listen to this one, because this will hit home to some of you here, is in direct proportion to my understanding that sometimes more control becomes counterproductive. I'll say it again. My ability to rest is in direct proportion to my understanding that sometimes more control becomes counterproductive. 
Who here has ever tried nagging someone you love into a change of behaviour? Not, not just you didn't have a conversation, you nagged them. Come on, just let's be honest in the house of God. How many people here? Three of you. No one else has ever tried it. Oh, my hand, I've got both hands up and if I had five hands, they'd all be up. Hey, how many people here have had children? Come on. And what, you've never nagged them? You are lying now. Come on. Be honest before God. Think about that a minute. Now, God could have been what we call today a helicopter parent. He came down in the cool of the evening to walk and talk with Adam and Adam hides after he's eaten from the tree. But God could have been there at nine o'clock and at half past nine and at 10 o'clock and 10.30 and 11 and 12. He could have been there the whole day. He could have followed Adam and Eve around. And the moment she gets near the serpent who starts talking, he could have said, don't go there, stay away. He could have helicopter parented these first couple and prevented them from ever making such a tragic and a terrible mistake. But he didn't do that. He could have controlled the environment, listen to me, but he would have lost the relationship. What am I saying here? I'm saying you need to reassess whether you are encouraging, advising or nagging. Amen. Everyone just say, Pastor, we love it when you preach. We just love that when you are so soft and gentle. Amen. I know this, when I'm nagging someone in my world, I don't have any rest because I don't trust them. That's why I nag them. Some of you are looking at me a bit like, I wish I'd come next week. (laughs) All right? It doesn't mean that we don't address issues. It, it doesn't mean that we stay away from that. He could have controlled the environment. Here's number four. My ability to rest is in direct proportion to my ability to accept the fact that some people will choose things I don't like. I'm just letting it settle a little bit. It doesn't mean you don't address issues. God did tell them don't eat of the tree. But He didn't tell them Every five minutes. He didn't put a neon sign up in front of it saying, I'm watching you. Huh? What kind of marriage are you going to have if you spend all your life checking everything that your spouse is doing? I know where you are. I've got to find my phone enabled. I'm not talking about children here. These are adults. Doesn't mean you don't address issues. Doesn't mean you're not honest. Doesn't mean you don't speak to somebody and say, hey, listen, what you're doing there, I think is going to be destructive, if not to you, then to our relationship. Are you still with me? Let's talk about what do I do in that space where I go, okay, God rests because He knows He's given control to someone else. How are some of you here who've got adult kids? And you still act like they're 10. Or you're the kind of boss at work that micromanages absolutely everything and people hate it. I believe there's a big difference between pastoral care and pastoral control. Just put that one out there for a second. 
Because some of you have come from churches where, you know, a phone call from the pastor means you're in trouble. This is fun, isn't it? What do we do? Let's go to Psalm 37, verse 1. Psalm 37, verse 1. Look how it starts off. It says, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Don't get yourself all stressed out about people that don't do what you want. Now, am I saying that in your business, someone who breaks the rules, they're embezzling money, you should just go, well, that's not my control. No, you should fire them. Amen. Set them down, have a conversation, talk with them, then let them go. Verse 2, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, wither as the green herb. Verse 3, this is right on point. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on what? On His faithfulness. Not their misdeeds, not their problems, not their attitude. Feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself where? In the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way unto the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Trust in Him rather and He'll bring it to pass. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. He says, trust me with the outcomes. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret for Him over Him because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the person who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Don't fret. It only causes harm. What's God trying to say to us? He says this. I'll bring it back to a nutshell. God says to Adam and Eve, I've created you and given you all this choice. Now I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in what I believe I've inputted into you. I'm going to rest in the fellowship that we've built. I'm going to rest in those things and I'm going to trust you that we can move forward with the vision that I have. But if you make a wrong choice, that'll be your choice to make. So what do we say of this? Number one, keep moving forward in your purpose. Commit your way under the Lord, not their way. Commit your way under the Lord. We're talking here today about refreshed vision. And I see vision all the time, can't undone in people's lives because they allow cynicism or bitterness to become a cancer in the vision. It eats it up from the inside out. They're so stressed about what somebody else is doing and not doing right, rather than going, you know what my job is? My job is to keep moving forward in my purpose. Amen? It's commit your way. Number two, build bridges, not barriers. I'm not saying give up wipe people out. There's a huge difference between I can't control and I don't care. Amen. There are people in my world that maybe make some wrong choices at different times. That doesn't stop me caring for them. But I acknowledge I don't have the power to control them. And so I'll continue to care because I want to build bridges, not put up barriers. You've offended me. You've broken my rules, so I'll have no more to do with you. 
Adam and Eve continue to have a relationship with God. Has it changed? Oh, absolutely. And when you encounter a conflict that doesn't get resolved the way you'd like it to, it always changes the relationship. But it shouldn't change your love for them. Hello, is anybody here thinking? Think about Jesus saying, bless those who despitefully, you know, uh, do good to those who despitefully use you. He says, don't let a conflict that's unresolved poison your heart so you stop being who you're meant to be and you start reflecting the way they live. I'm hoping that your silence mostly means, boy, he's getting me. Not, I have no idea what he's talking about. Look at Psalm 85 and verse 10. This ought to be a verse that every Christian understands and lives by. Psalm 85.10 says, Mercy and truth have met together. So the truth is, this has been violated. The truth is we've got a conflict, but mercy comes in to meet truth. And you know what happens when people bring truth and no mercy? Is that you end up with legalism, you end up with, with just judgment, and you end up always with separation. This is a tough lesson for us as believers. But as we go on in what God has for us, we're going to need to have mercy and truth. Righteousness and peace have kissed. Right standing. This is what ought to happen. These are the principles. Jeff, you don't understand. I've got principles. I'd go good for you. But make sure peace comes in with your principles. Make sure that mercy joins up with your truth. Are you with me? So I keep moving forward in my purpose. I'm not going to get held back because my, my thing has always been, I refuse to let someone else's smallness make me smaller. I refuse to let somebody else's uh, criticisms turn me into a cynic. I refuse to let somebody else's mistreatment of me if they do that. I refuse to let that bring me down to that same level where it becomes Retaliation. You know, they tell me that game theory is this, do to them before they do to you. That's game theory. And the winner of Survivor, I've said this once before, the guy who won Survivor and, and got interviewed about the whole thing, he said his entire strategy was that one. They, I think they call it the silver rule. Do to them before they do to you. Jesus never taught the silver rule, he taught the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you before they do it. Amen. He said, don't respond and react to the way they are. This is the way you've got to live. So the second thing, build bridges, not barriers. Here's number three. You knew this one would be there somewhere, surely. Pray for wisdom. Why? Because you don't always have a rule book. Your next door neighbour has a late night party. You're not sure, do I call the cops, the police, the council, state housing? You go to, where's the, where's the manual? Page 593, section 7, subsection 5, article 2. Yea, for when thy neighbour disrupts thy sleep. Wouldn't it be nice if that was there? 
your kid doesn't come home when the curfew's there. And you go, I wonder where that one is. Let me turn to page. Oh, here it is, page 564. You need wisdom because life's not a real book. I need wisdom for everything. <laughs> oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, yes, you do. Oh, I've been married 47 years. Amen. Still pray for wisdom, brother. Amen. Because just when you think you got her worked out, she's going to surprise you. She's going to go home and say, you know what? I think the pastor was right. I think we should move back to Australia. <laughs> Listen to James 1 verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, raise your hand if you lack wisdom. That's everybody. I see all those hands. Up in the balcony, no one raised their hand because they're very wise up there. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it'll be given to them. God never ever goes, ask me for wisdom. No, you asked me for it yesterday. I gave you some then. Shut up. One of the things God loves is when we come to Him and go, God, I need some of your wisdom. He goes, I've got it for you. I know this is a simple message in part, but it's a deep and a strong one in other parts and that you've got to start thinking about how am I leading in relationships where I don't have complete control? The older your children get, the less control you have. If you haven't figured that out, trust me, it'll happen. The bigger an organisation gets, the less control you have. How do I do it? Firstly, I keep moving forward in my purpose. Don't let somebody else's missteps or struggles become the thing that holds you back from what God wants you to do. Secondly, build bridges, not barriers. As you're going forward, why don't you hold out the olive branch of peace? Rather than the hand that says, stop, why don't you do this one? I'd love to walk with you. Now, maybe they won't keep going forward in your purpose. Leave the door open. Third thing, God, give me wisdom. So I know sometimes this is the right time to speak and sometimes it's the right time to be silent. Some of you here, you struggle with speaking. You don't like addressing anything. There's others of us here, we struggle with not speaking. Because we want to tell everybody. Amen. Nobody else said amen. It's just me. I'll live with that. God rested because he trusted. Can we go into 2023 saying, God, I'm going to live it out of rest, not out of pressure. I'm going to live it not out of stress, not out of what they ought to. They should. What's the matter with these bozos? None of them can drive. They're all, thank you, Linda. They're all useless. God, let me live with a life that's got some rest as I pursue your vision. Amen. Father, help us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. We love you. We love your word. Lord, I pray for people here that the things they're struggling with are very real. They're not small and they're not light. They're not easy. Lord, they're not things that are just a wave of the hand and they're finished. They're difficult. And that's why, Lord, I believe you tell us, commit your way to me. Begin with that, not begin with them, but begin with you.
How do I build a bridge? God, would you show us what we could do? Lord, if they respond, that's great. And if they don't, then we'll still keep going. God, would you give us wisdom? We so need it. There wouldn't be one person listening to me this morning who doesn't need wisdom for their workplace, for their home life, for their neighbourhood, for their church life. Thank you for the way you help us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. 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 You know, I read this morning in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, this great verse. Luke 15, verse 7. Jesus says, And I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who don't need it. And as I was journaling this morning and writing in my study, I wrote down, God, I'd love to make heaven a happier place. I'd love to be a part, Lord, of creating more joy in heaven, not because I live such a good life, but because I help reach one more person, another one. God says He loves the church, but His biggest focus is saying, how do I reach that next one? I told you, heaven's going to be full. He says, my house is going to be full. And some of you have never trusted Christ with your future and your life. Some of us have kept Him at arm's length because we thought we'd do a better job. We thought if we let Him in, He's liable to mess it up. He'll ask us to do things we don't want. Forgetting that He's a good, good Father, as we sang earlier. And a good, good Father wants the best for us at every moment and every time. He wants us to follow Him and to come into relationship. Think about it a minute. Right back in the beginning, God said, I'm going to make you just like me because I want to have fellowship with you. God's not trying to get you to stop being bad. He's not trying to get you to stop that behaviour. People miss this. He wants you to come into a relationship with Him. If you walk into a relationship with Him, everything on the inside as He begins to rearrange it will get sorted. I don't know of any problem that if you will commit your life to Christ, if you will follow Jesus and He will start making you like Christ, that's got to mean you become a better person. Because Jesus is still the most admired person that's ever walked the planet. Why? Everyone admires Him. And He says, if you come to me, I'll start making you like that. You'll start looking like me, thinking like me, acting like me and go, how could that happen, Jeff? I've tried so hard. Well, that's because you've tried so hard. But if you let Jesus in, He says, I'll be in you and I'll make a new spirit inside of you. It's a powerful and beautiful thing. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank You for people that are here right now listening, online as well, online during the week as well, in the building right now. And there'd be somebody here, Lord, who's at that point where they're saying, I need to trust Jesus with my future. I want to say yes to Christ. I want to let Him lead me. I've led myself and God, I want to let You lead me. And if that's You this morning, I'd love to pray with You right where You are. What I'm going to ask you to do if you're in the building is simply just to slip your hand up and put it back down again. Maybe you've walked with God before and you've lost your way and today will be the day you'll say, God, I'm trusting you again. Or maybe you've never done that. Maybe you grew up in a home where there was no awareness of God. And today you're going to say, Jesus, I'm going to let you come and into my life and lead me from this point. If that's you, would you just slip it up, put it back down again. I'll see it 
And I'll pray with you this morning, wherever you are. Just looking up in the balcony. I don't want to miss anybody out. Wherever you are, if that's you, you can take a minute. I'd love to pray with you and for you this morning. Online, I'll speak to you as well in a minute. Is there anybody? Thank you. For those online and for that person right now, I want you just to say this prayer to Jesus. It's just asking Jesus to come into your life. If you're online, say this wherever you are. Say this prayer after me, Lord Jesus, thank You for dying for me. You love me and You want me to walk with You. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Help me, Jesus, to be like You. Amen. Amen. You don't need to pray this prayer, but let me pray for You, Father, for that person and for the others online, the yes texts that will come in. I thank You, Lord, for Your goodness and for Your great and amazing way that You come inside of our life. Beyond our ability to even understand or comprehend, You come and You change us. And we thank You for that in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says there's more joy in heaven over one. If you're online with us and you go, Jeff, what do I do? How do I? I prayed that prayer. What should I do? Well, then I would say to you, why don't you text your yes through to us? If you're in the building, you can do the same thing. Send your yes. Why yes is all you've got to send to 392. It's up there on the screen for you. If you're outside of Australia or you'd rather get our help every day of our email, then you go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. Either way, we won't spam you. We will bless you. We'll help you. We'll be there for you every day. You'll just get very briefly from us. Fits on one screen of a smartphone. You'll get a scripture, a different Bible verse every day just for you. You'll get a prayer, a different one every day that'll help you. You can pray it and make it your prayer. It'll help you. People do this all the time, every week, just about. It's a rare, rare week where somebody doesn't yes text. People did it last week. I know they'll do it again. And we would love to be a part of helping you as you walk with God because it is a relationship. You know, Danny and Kathy got married on Thursday. But that's not the end of their growing together and their relationship. It's just the start. Same with what you've just done, saying yes to Jesus. Can we give those people a great big hand? Just say, well done. We're going to stand together in a minute. We're going to sing together that beautiful song we started with. We sang earlier on, rather, the goodness of God. I love this song. One of my favourites. Because God's good for our life. He wants to help you. If this morning what I said, maybe you go, I'm struggling with that. I, did He mean that? Why don't you go back and listen to it again? You can watch it on YouTube and our Metro Church WA channel. You can download the podcast from the website. Uh, you can get all that there. There's notes, physical notes are printed. They're back there for you. You can grab those and let it speak again into your life. I believe God wants to help you in Jesus' Name. Amen. Now, I know that uh, Pastor Ray's online. I think that's correct. To pray with people online. I know that Solomon and Rosalind will be back in the prayer space at the rear of the auditorium, just outside there. If you need prayer before you go, you can go and, and uh, receive that.
make sure that you stay with us. Go and see Pastor Bruce in the cafe about Metro Life. I think it is one of the best things we've ever done as a church, creating space for real relationship beyond hello and goodbye to be able to help people grow. I think it's a brilliant thing. Come on, let's stand together. Let's sing together this song before we go this morning. I love your voice.